0: Welcome to the launch of the Almine Podcast Food Fault Lines, joined here today by your host, Kiana Estevez. And I'm so excited to finally get this out in the open and just bring these powerful food creator stories to the table to give a little background on me. I have been in the food and beverage industry for about 10 years now from amusement parks, baseball stadiums, restaurants. And it wasn't until this last year and a half where the truth of this industry really came to light because it's easy for us to be fooled by what we see on TV. And we just wanted to create a brave space for food lovers and eaters to have conversations on their culture and what their experiences have been. Our first chef is named Benita Gomez, and when she was diagnosed with a health condition as a teenager, it completely shaped the way that she sees the food on her plate and the life that she was going to mold for herself. Hello, Benita. I am so happy to have this time to chat with you. So just to really kick off, feel free to introduce yourself, your first and last name, where you're joining in from, and how you got your first job in the food and beverage space.
1: I am Benita Gomez. I am currently based in Louisville, Kentucky. I have been all over the place, but that's where I'm currently at. I actually have a backstory. So I actually have celiac disease. I was diagnosed about 15 years ago, really when gluten-free and all of that wasn't really a big thing. So it was really difficult to get food to eat on a regular daily basis. Love the culinary industry, and that's what really brought me into pursuing it as a career. So I went to Sullivan University here in Louisville, Kentucky. So I went for baking and pastry. After that, I got connected to, I work currently for a chocolate company called Amor Demona couverture special and we focus primarily on producing of course chocolates and confections and pastries for those with allergen restrictions dietary needs and things like that one point after another everything has just fallen a place to be able to say this is where i am in the industry and there is a purpose and a, a place and all that kind of stuff so it's still pretty small niche market but it's starting to grow and there's definitely a growing need every single day for all of it
0: for someone who's working in a niche market how are you connecting with your industry so that is interesting so
1: of course you always want to look at the overall whole of the industry because you have to look at what the trends are and what the motivations and what people are really wanting overall but in general a lot of what we do is actually work connecting with physicians and patients directly in that aspect because of how connected generally people are with food allergies or chronic illnesses or whatnot. It's really kind of bounces off one to another because it says I, this is a need. And I found this company, this person that really suits this need. And then they go tell everybody because there's not, like I said, there's not a lot of people doing it quite yet. Overall, right now, like I said, here in Louisville, what we do, um, we have three different physicians that we do work with closely, but then we also work with other companies like the Humane Society and things like that. So that that does help us a lot with getting the word out because it's not top of mind for a lot of
0: people. That's so interesting. You are the first chef who I speak to who their expansion of networks is with physicians and
1: yeah, and, and different schools and um, things like that. So like daycares and fully isn't always like the, like you said, the normal of just connecting with other chefs and things like that, which is an important part, but definitely connecting with the right people that we really need to connect with. That's where we've kind of gone.
0: And to really like place the importance on the connection and on the mm-hmm. network What technology do you wish you maybe had access to to expand your talents and what you guys are working on? Because it's important to get the word out.
1: The biggest boundary, I would say, in what we do really is access. We understand that food restrictions, food allergies dietary restrictions in general, there's there's not a demographic. That gets, it could reach anybody. Um, and so to be able to create a product that is safe, that is good quality, that is what they want is definitely more expensive than what a lot of people can't afford. So being able to create access to those things is our biggest hurdle at the moment because sourcing and getting ingredients and all of those aspects – it's a lot of work. There's limited possibilities for those types of things. So really, our biggest thing is also education, is getting the word out to be able to say that these are boundaries, that these are things that really create a difficulty for people, everyday people, to get access to the food that they really need. Because it's not a matter of producing a product just because somebody wants it to be free of such and such, it's really life or death matter for these people. And
0: that that's definitely our biggest hurdle at the moment. Mm. That's just like talking my language. Yeah. Just <laughs> he- healthy food is such a right. And mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that one of the truths is that we live in a place where it can be seen as a privilege. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's where it's
1: like, these things shouldn't be considered a luxury. It's a necessity. Like you said, it's a right. And that's that's where it's the difficulty because how do, you, how do you change all those
0: mindsets? I hear that. I hear you. And you mentioned that, you know, the way that this opportunity like fell in your lap, like it was a connection from someone in the past. Can you tell me a little bit about that and just the power?
1: Yeah. So since I, like I said, since I went to culinary school at Sullivan University, um, we had a competition team. So I hopped onto that because why not? Add <laughs> had an extra challenge of things. So I was really fortunate because I had that opportunity that I was connected to the higher-ups, the directors and the people in the school. So having those networks and those connections did really play a big role because, of course, having people that trust and see that You are capable and you are skilled, and all of that does have a big advantage because honestly, this industry is hard. (laughs) It's not, it is definitely not the easiest. If we're truly honest, a lot of times you do, you just need networking. You need people to put that foot in the door for you. So I did get very lucky with. One, being able to prove my skills, but having those people that did back me up and say, hey, this is the, this is the person for your job. So, like I said, I've been here at a Mortimona for about five years now, and it's been wonderful.
0: Oh, wow. You've been there for five years? Yeah, I know. It's been a long time. <laughs> That's fantastic. And what other types of food and beverage are opportunities are there within your organization
1: so i guess that's what we primarily do is chocolates confections and pastries however we would love to be able to expand into catering and personal private chef's opportunities because like we said we understand that this niche there are so many boundaries because we also know that people who generally have food restrictions intolerances allergies etc etc tend to also have other chronic illnesses, ailments, things as well, disabilities, etc. So not everybody, even if they have the capability to do such things as purchasing good quality food for themselves, they might not have the access to be able to cook for themselves. So that is an ever-growing extension of what we try to do. And working with local and things like that or just doing like teaching classes and we have recipes on our website so there's tons of different ways that we try to meet those different sore points that people like I said, struggle to be able to get the access to the food that they need. Because like I said, if you're, if you're not meeting all of those criteria, then there's going to be a downfall somewhere. We are still a pretty small company. So like I said, that does create a challenge as well, but that is something that we are moving towards and constantly have in the back of our mind of how do we not only create a good product, but also create a better everyday life for the people that we
0: we are looking yeah and truly make it an experience <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and you know to go back a little bit what are some of the challenges of just day-to-day of being a pastry chef even in career and big picture I'd love to hear a little more about that
1: Ooh, I think anybody in the culinary industry would really say just the balance of life. Because as much as I got into the industry because I knew I needed the access and I knew other people had this need, knowing how much needs to change, I guess. And working very heavily on that aspect, but often neglecting my own personal things. So finding that balance is definitely the biggest struggle because you're working a lot of hours. It's very hard work very labor intensive and like i said you have that emotional aspect because you do care about the people you care about all of the things so it it definitely is a lot yeah
0: (laughs) i hear you the i mean the the emotional component is just part of the package because there's just exactly passion to just do what you love and you know in these last 12 months how has your world changed
1: oh i think one of the things that has been the hardest has been since we've basically shipped almost everything online. So we actually don't do a storefront. So we haven't ever had a storefront which has been, one, good for the pandemic, because we had everything online in the first place. We did do in-person classes, and so that had to basically stop when the pandemic hit. For me, that was really something that drove a lot of what we did, because, of course, the people really are so important to what we do and what drives us. Over the past year, not having that personal one-on-one and really seeing the impact that we bring, even like I said, even just in those classes, they come up with questions that we might not think of because we're not in their mindset. So that has been something that we've constantly been thinking of. Okay, what are the questions that we're actually not asking that they really are asking, or they don't have the words to ask at the moment, we've kind of taken a step back in that aspect. But it is hopeful because we know that there is more and more people that are doing different mutual aids and we're like having the amount of people that are doing community gardens and things. Um, So there is more conversation around all of these topics. So we're hopeful that once we are able to start doing these things again, there's going to be more people who are interested in this type of work and getting connected.
0: I hear that. I hear that. And you mentioned this already. One of the challenges is the work-life balance. Mm -hmm. especially in these last 12 months because we're drawing so many new boundaries and redefining what they are to us how has managing that stress impacted you
1: i think just like anybody else it definitely has it has been a struggle but it really is just refocusing and what what is the long-term goal and focusing on these small little steps we can take every single day this has also has challenged me to really take that day-to-day make input to self-care and really check in with myself so that that definitely has been something that I've I started to pick up on because of
0: how easy it is to just be consumed with everything that's going on I hear that and, you know, turnover is so high in this industry. So, you know, for someone that's been in a place of employment for five years, I'd love to know what keeps you, what helps making that decision easy. There's a
1: lot of different things. I think for me, what's really keeping me here has just been the underlying motivation for the company. Profit is not the first goal for the company. The main value of the company is the people, it's the community. And so for me I think that's really one of the key parts when we are coming with ideas or new designs or whatever that is always at center no matter what that has been something that I haven't seen in a lot of places I have very much connected and appreciated all of that
0: mm. and you know to be able to connect and grow those relationships for such a long time that brings even more meaning to the table. And, you know, I'd love to know, are you still in touch with any of your former classmates? Because you're still in your first – you're still in your – you know, technically you're still in your first job post-grad. Yeah,
1: I definitely – now they're all over the place. They scattered – all across the country, I actually have a few friends that are over in Europe as well. They're everywhere. It's really awesome to connect with them or even when I'm doing like recipe development because what we do is such a niche market. There's not recipes online to be able to just copy off of and or change or whatever. So everything really is made new all the time. So it's so fun to just connect with all the other chefs and be able to say, okay, I did this recipe, this is what happened, I don't really know what's going on, what are your thoughts? And so it's always a fun challenge, because a lot of times they're like, I don't know either, but we can see and test, and this is my guess, so it is really fun in that aspect, because like I said, that also encourages them to think outside the box. Most people are not thinking about, okay, well, let's think of all of the ways we can replace egg in so-and-so product to make this end result because there's not one single replacement for an egg. There's so many different components, but it, it is really fun. And even just, like I said, friends in Europe, they play around with a different ingredient. I'm like, what is that? Tell me all about it. It's very unique to be able to have those connections and then be able to have them all over the place so that I can see the differences and how they're working in the industry and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, the only egg white substitutes that I've used before is with chickpeas. which is is a really interesting innovation and you really bring up a cool point that it's not just our networks and the connections that we get from them it's also the resources Mm -hmm. in in recipe development and I'd love to hear a little bit more of how else do you guys all engage
1: well we're part of different online groups locally here we're also connected to a lot of farmers and see who are the chefs that they're also working with as well so that has also connected us to them because even though we wouldn't have directly known that other chef because we know the farmers we're able to also connect with them and say okay you're using for example pawpaws that are native to Kentucky there's not a lot of people playing around with pawpaws okay you bought them what are you doing with them how are you preparing them how are you working with them because we might have some insight or you might have some insight for us to do some things different. Then in the bigger scheme of things, because we do chocolate, we have growers in like Peru, South Africa. Um, We'll talk to them and see what is going on there. How are things going? Of course, politics come into play because we have to be aware of what the dynamics are in those countries because it does affect us because we don't grow cacao. That's that's not, not something that's possible. So keeping in mind how we affect those industries and those, communities as well has always been top of mind for us as well.
0: The awareness and the clarity in the way you care and the way you care yourself is it's truly just inspiring because these are parts of the food and beverage space that people don't talk about. I think the
1: culinary industry, just like any industry, we want to constantly be advancing. We want to know what's the next thing, but we don't take a step back and think about if we're not replenishing the sources of our ingredients. We're not going to be able to continue to evolve, so we need to always keep the basics at the top of mind. We have to know and care for everything that encompasses what we do. I think that's why I really enjoy the company that I'm at because it is keeping such a holistic viewpoint rather than just being able to keep the door open the next day, you
0: know. I hear that and it's just like that whole. I'm going to use your words, it's just like that holistic opportunity that your employer is offering. It's helping you flourish mm-hmm. fully and And from a place of innovation, what are some things that you think this industry could do to better help our chefs? There's a lot
1: of things, a lot of things. That's a tricky situation because I think it is our food system here in the United States is so complex. And there's such little access for so many people to be able to do the hard work that it takes to be able to even source locally. That is a huge privilege that we have that i know not everybody can do i think there's like i said a lot of education just on the public standpoint Around food that needs to happen, but I think also the conversation around just service industry workers in the first place of how undervalued we are because everybody really appreciates a good meal, but they don't understand the work that goes into it. As a chef, it's very difficult to continue to be resilient in the industry because you are so undervalued. When somebody goes into the industry and cares so much, much about other people and community as a whole and they're depleted how do we continue going on and I think that raises the question of why the industry also has such a high suicide rate and mental illness and addiction and all of the things because it's so inherent to the industry and how we're perceived and I don't think it's just a culinary industry thing like I said I think it's just any service job as a whole but I think even the topic of like tipping and how the front of the house and the back of the house are constantly at war with one another rather than having the whole establishment together that creates a divide and that doesn't motivate people to go into the back of the kitchen if you can make three times more more for half the amount of hours front of the house why would you do the harder work in some circumstances i've done front of the house work that is hard work too. put it out there but like i said the chefs generally they're not seen they don't connect with the people they don't get to see the smiling faces there's a lot of work that needs to be done but i think what you're doing of connecting with people and um having these conversations is really what needs to be started. But I think that also goes to the individual as well, because of the imbalance that we generally have in a day-to-day life. We also don't talk about the struggles that we're going through with other people because we don't have those relationships. So I think that would also be a really important part as the chef to be able to reach out and connect with other people. And I understand that that's also a difficult thing because People are working 80 hours a week. Like, that's not an abnormal thing. So how are you going to go and have all those relationships? It's a difficult thing. If you have an idea of how to do that, put them out there. But, yeah, there's like I said, that's just a few off the top of my head of the big
0: challenges that are there. First off, it's pretty mind-blowing that there are people who don't know that chefs don't take home tips. That is yeah. for front of front of front of house employees. So I'll give you that one. That one always blows my mind. And to the addiction, to the lack of mental health, all of that again, and why I really think it goes deeper in the food and beverage space is that we haven't had innovation for the employee. Mm-hmm. Right now, all of these investments are being placed into you know contactless delivery, contactless payments, yeah, drone delivery. This is all to create a more convenient experience. However, someone has to come into the kitchen and make the food. And we are now shifting where there's going to be more ghost kitchens, there's going to be more commissary kitchens, and there are gonna be there's gonna be less servers, and that's the yeah. that's the reality of it, and that's why we need to have these conversations now, because the innovation has to start today.
1: Yeah, definitely. What would the future look like if there are less servers? Because that is something that in a lot of circumstances people really enjoy. You do like to talk to somebody about what's on the menu, what's in what's the spec- for the day or just seeing how their day is what would that look like for the industry of even drone delivery like that is mind-blowing that that's a possibility and then how does that change the public's perspective on food because we have such a undervalue for food as a whole and I think that does go back to the economic situations that we're in and how people here statistically we only spend about five percent of our income on food, rather than, say, over in France, theirs could be up to 15% of their income. How does that affect the situation? Because People don't have the capability to raise their food amount to 15% because they don't have that. There's so many intersectional conversations that need to be had because it's not just one component that would shift everything. There's so many parts.
0: And to your, to your point, like with drone deliveries, et cetera, I feel like it's our generation's job to redefine what a restaurant experience is. Yeah. And that's the, that's the project. That's the final project that we, we have been given. And to your point in how much of the abnormality is in working 80 plus hour weeks. However, knowing that you're not doing it alone, knowing that you're connecting with people that are going through it as well, it makes it a little bit more worth it. It makes it easier. It makes you feel like you're not in this alone. So I think to really hone in and, wrap us up with this point of the community is crucial or else it's just going to burn you out.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think that's, that's something that people in the industry really do understand and try to share with the community because I, Especially, I would say, in the United States, we are such an individualistic society. I think people in this industry as a whole, we really do see both aspects, the individual as well as the communal, and how important both aspects are. One can't override the other.
0: Benita, thank you so much for sharing your story, how you got into this industry, and just your experience. It has just been such a valuable, valuable conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
1: This has been wonderful.
0: There you have it. We just wrapped up our first episode, which feels surreal. Even listening back to this episode, this conversation with Benita just feels like an entire meal with a side of awareness, self-reflection, and... Just overall empathy for food and beverage lovers, creators. And if this conversation left you feeling hungry or just ready for more, check out our website, IsleMind.com. And we host a monthly cannabis cooking 101 class September 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. And be on the lookout for our next episode in coming out in two weeks on september 14th and thank you all for just stepping into this journey with us and wherever we continue to evolve this community